Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Everybody, welcome to the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Tailford, joined by Ewan Patterson. Hello. Joined by Jules Gill. Hi. And today we're going to talk about video game difficulty. Now, this came about because of all the different ways that you can rank 2018's games. We're doing all sorts of lists of XYZ what of ranking? 2018. Well, you know. <laughs> there was no ranking. Different bits and parts. We, we've done a bit of a ranking, but there are many things out there. So it got me thinking about different uh, ways that games have got kind of less difficult over the year, basically because I started to look at all the best boss battles of the year, and there was hardly any. And it started, got me thinking of general sort of difficulty levels and the way the industry approaches difficulty levels mm. and has over the years um, because back in the day it was one of the ways that you know people uh, got addicted to different games in the arcades it was like manufactured difficulty it was very cheap uh, ways of hoovering up money from different people we all found the house of the dead Yes, oh, yeah. and then yeah. you get the people that didn't have any money and just just pretended to play the games and like would just be like, oh, I'm shooting. No, it's a cutscene, mate. Just get <laughs> off it. <laughs> just to feel good. Yeah. Um, so I want to open the floor and say, what are your uh, guys' uh, approaches to video game difficulty? Do you relish it, or are you like, oh god, this is a slog? Uh, I think that it goes down to the hand in hand thing with um, reward versus challenge. Mm-hmm. Like the whole point of video games is to basically either immerse yourself into a world and experience a narrative that you'd be not able to experience in real life, sort of how film approaches mm-hmm. it, which is why you get the comparisons between cinematic experiences in film and games, or it's about something to challenge you and push you forward. I mean, uh, I was rig- like a long time ago, before I started working on what culture, I started doing a little sub-series of the first things ever, so mm. like the first boss battle and why that was introduced stuff. So I'm sure that'll come into play yeah. with our discussion here, but mm-hmm. it's like they wanted to um, make this orb worth something. Okay. And the way that they did that was they put a boss in front of it. Who's they? Sorry. It's a uh, it's a game. It's <laughs> they. Uh, them. Just the, the, the developers <laughs> of this um, this game. And I and I. One of the first boss battles was this old dragon in this in the D and D game. It's literally just called D and D, like D and D. Yes, that's the one. Yeah. And okay. basically, in order to get this orb, you have to defeat the dragon. Yes. And uh, that basically the player then put on. The, um, the aspect of value to that because of the fact that they had to achieve something to get it. Mm-hmm. If they just walked into a room and got it, it would mean nothing mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. them. So therefore, in a roundabout way, I think that difficulty is fantastic because it acts as a persistent challenge to mm-hmm. gamers 
gives them reward for completing mm. stuff. I'll very quickly throw in as well, and um, there's also the tale, I forget what the name of the guy that created Space Invaders was, um, but he found that when he was putting more, as he was starting to code it, he realized that the more ships he put on screen, the more the frame rate started to tank. Yeah, and so right. you needed to clear them off to, to free things up again. Yeah. And he, the rumor goes or whatever, that he inadvertently invented the difficulty curve because he was he realized that if you were good at the game, mm. it was it was easier to keep up with everything. Yeah. Whereas the more things were swamped, that he actually kind of inadvertently invented challenge, yeah. which I love the idea of that. But yeah. you, what, what your I was going to say, it's like, obviously, We've come a long way since mm-hmm. the since the days of Space Invaders and DND Dragon Dude. Have you played Terrace Effect? Because uh, it's really good. Uh, no, I haven't. Good um, but I was going to say that today, I think there are, you have game developers are always striving for a fine balance between empowerment mm-hmm. and challenge, and I feel as though there are some games that absolutely nail that. Mm-hmm. And some games that don't necessarily either lean into one way or the other. So mm-hmm. I'd, I'd probably use the Batman Arkham games as an example for things that probably lean potentially too much into the empowerment level. Yeah. It re- it's very rare that you'll ever feel challenged in those games. Whereas I'd say like a, a Splinter Cell, I feel as though that has always gotten the idea of there being like a challenge thing, but then mm-hmm. it, you feel empowered doing it. Mm-hmm. There are certain games I feel today where the onus is so much on challenge and difficulty that you don't get, not that every game should be a power trip, obviously, because you, mm. you're there in these these worlds to experience and inhabit different roles. Mm-hmm. But occasionally, that there are there are there are certain titles that I feel place their emphasis too much and predicate their entire identity around difficulty, mm-hmm. and it loses something in the process. And I'm sure we'll get to Dark Souls and Bloodborne and stuff. We can do later. that right now. Right now, okay. Well, I was gonna yeah. say. I love gothic literature. Yeah. I love gothic stuff. <laughs> goths are great. You massive goths. Busy goths, modern goths, Just cyber goths. down. I love it. Um, but yes. Bloodborne, I should love that game because <laughs> it's everything I love from literature. You know, it's very Lovecraftian. It's yeah. very gothic. And... I tried getting into it. I'd heard all the horror stories. Oh, it's really difficult. All these Souls games, they're so hard. You and you, you're not prepared. And I was like, yeah, well, you'll be fine. And then uh, I hopped... You play Siege, for God's sake. Yeah, and then I hopped into it and... I hopped out again. Hopped back out immediately straight <laughs> afterwards because I just I couldn't I couldn't understand. It felt as though this game was delighting and reveling in the fact that it was difficult, but I felt as though there was no sense of reward. The only reward you get mm. is to continue. And I get maybe people are into punishment as their reward, not going to judge. Um, but it just didn't gel with me. And I, I just, I felt, I felt just like I was being laughed at the entire time, like that opening segment. With the, uh, you will yeah. die again. Yeah, and again. so yeah. I, I literally, um, I, you see the mob to your right, and I was like, oh, you know what? Screw them! I'm going to go to the left. Mm. And this so big... just quickly, this is the yeah. opening stretch yes. where there's a big old long courtyard yes. with various yeah, different yeah, mobs yeah, of yeah. enemies, and there's a boss at the end. Yes, of it. And, yeah. and to the left, there is a big fella, and he was guarding someone. I was like, <laughs> you know what? I, pr- I could probably take the big fella. You know, those all those big guys. I don't want to go near them. Um, so I tried taking down the big fella, and I got killed repeatedly and repeatedly yep. and repeatedly. Yep. And then I finally, finally, after like an hour and a half, mm-hmm. I finally beat him, and there's nothing in the chest. And I was, yeah. and I was just like. Why? Why? What is the point? I don't feel powerful. I feel like an ass for having killed this guy because he was just guarding this chest of nothing. I, what was he doing? Do you there? not feel good I, when you beat him? No. Also, Jules. This is the thing. I totally understand where you're coming from. Mm. I'm on the opposite side of the fence where I feel like the, the Bloodborne, Blood Soul series, I feel like the persistence and the reward of just being able to continue, for me, is worth it. Mm. And I don't see it as a punishment or a penance that I've got to pay for just actually wanting to play the game. I see it as just being like, you are improving, you are learning, you are realizing that life itself is full of ridiculous challenges and sometimes will not give you rewards, but that learning and understanding is, is its yeah. own reward. Kind of like um, getting over it with Bennett Foddy. 
That game mm. is obtusely difficult, mm -hmm. and the control scheme is on purpose, Ridiculous. like, awful. Or not awful, it's, well, designed, even it's, them it's designed to be frustrating. Yeah. But I think that once you actually go through and you uh, experience the letting go of, like, oh, thank Christ, it is done with... It's like an investment you make into the game and you're basically just going, right, I'm going to see it through to the end, no matter it's, what. You're it's yodering like, me right now. Yes, I'm Luke on Dagobah. I want to <laughs> go after Cloud City right. straight away and you're just there like, no, you you finish finished your, your game, you must. I'm like, no. Love, I love it when games uh, start off by giving you tons and tons of rewards, mm -hmm. like straight away, that lovely gameplay loop of getting you into the mindset of like, whatever I do will have an immediate <laughs> uh, reaction. Mm -hmm. And as you notice, like in like MMORPGs especially, those di the distance between those rewards like gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And you get to the other point where you're like, what am I doing this mm -hmm. for? Mm -hmm. I feel like there are some games that use difficulty in that sense to keep you like hooked in. Yes. Um, and I feel like Bennett Foddy and well, like, Dark Souls. For yeah. me, it's, it's like a wider philosophical thing, which is I tend to go philosophical on nearly everything. So it's like that whole thing of like insane souls and bloodborne and whatever it is, like they just, they grind you into like a paste because they're just like, mm. if, but if you can get back up and keep going, then I, I, I think, I don't know, like whenever I like encounter anything from a big spider in the bath to me doing my driving test or whatever, I kind of keep going back to, well, I got through that horrible thing in yeah. Dark Souls yeah. so I could do this. And so like, it's weird because it kind of, it filters into everything, the way that I approach life itself kind of thing. And I'm like, because you, I don't know, it just it, everything becomes more rounded. Like you said, if you mm. can learn to survive in those worlds and be okay with being kicked back, but you can always get back up again. It's the same fundamental life message that's in like Rocky or whatever. It's, it's like, ah, you're going to get beaten down. enjoyable, mate. But you're going to, but you're not only when he got back up again though no, he wasn't I, enjoying it when he was down well no he wasn't I, I was enjoying the experience of watching Rocky persevere and deal uh -huh. with it I do not enjoy the experience of donning this spindly little fella like me uh, <laughs> in, in some sort of Soulsborne-esque area where but when you I beat guess, that guess, big lad though I guess what it is is it tr it's uh, a moment that you could argue mm. it transcends the game that you're playing mm. it's not about the reward that the game give you, gives you it's about the bragging rights you have with your friends to say could you do that that's a separate thing <laughs> It's a separate thing, but it's the but it's the the reward isn't necessarily there. Well, I was going to uh, well, go on. I was going to say I'm I'm a very competitive player. Mm -hmm. I, I really get into competitive video games, but I don't have that competitive streak with this at all because it's yeah. it's a, it's again it's just like, oh I beat that monster or I beat this. It's like oh well you're matching your skills with the game is is kind of of less value to me than if you're matching your wits with another player. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So there's that element to it mm -hmm. as well. Um, but I, I definitely appreciate those games. I understand that they're there for people who enjoy them, mm -hmm. and that's totally cool. I, I love it when people get really happy about stuff like that. But <laughs> I, I was really, I was really disappointed because I was at first, I was upset with myself. I was like, "Well, I've, I, obviously, I'm not good enough for this game, and maybe, maybe that's true. Maybe that's true. I've got to live with that." I think but, if you did put the time in, you would get there. But yeah, that, that investment is a big but thing. But it's, it's a case of like you know, time is money, money is time, and like I just <laughs> did not want to invest my time, mm. kind of getting my ass kicked repeatedly with no sense of empowerment. Like if I was gonna, if I wanted to play a game mm. where I was this mystical uh, hunter who was killing vampires and werewolves and creepy Eastern European village people, mm. I'd want to have a sense of empowerment to it. But at no stage in those games do I ever feel, um, there, uh, there is no point in, in that game where I feel as like I'm, I'm a competent, like I'm a competent mm. figure You're in this on world. The back foot. I'm always on the back foot. I'm always basically like, the Shaggy Rogers of of this universe. Like I just yeah. ha I have no power. And obviously again, like Shaggy I said, Rogers. Uh, Shaggy from Scooby Doo. Has he got a surname? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They all okay. have surnames. Yeah, they do. They're not just like they're not just like like Seal or Cher. What's Fred Durst? Velma. <laughs> yes, Fred no, they Durst. do have surnames. They all have yeah. surnames. They do. Yeah. Velma what's, what's Fred's surname? 
Durst. Yeah, it's not Durst. I don't know it him, but I know that he's got it. He's a human being. Yeah. This is cartoon he characters. Have, he might be like in partnership with a talking dog who solves crimes, but they've got surnames. I don't yeah, think they have surnames. They've got to be traced down. There's a paper trail. <laughs> they've got to have bank accounts. The mystery machine. I don't think they have surnames, but I, I don't know. Anyway, it's Shaggy Rogers. Yeah. Carry on. Yeah, but like it's just, it's it's a case <laughs> of like, I don't, and again, like I'm kind of, I'm probably sounding really picky because I don't like games that empower you too much. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Although I am down for like a decent power trip whenever the occasion comes along, like Spider-Man, for mm. instance. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also not down uh, to party with a game that treats me horribly. Well, that's, 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 well, that's the thing, because it yes. was like, um, on the flip side of it, I personally don't like games that, like you were saying, mm-hmm. that they make it too easy mm-hmm. through giving you just so many options to dispatch the bad guys or the challenge ahead. Mm-hmm. Saints Row 4 is a perfect ex- example of that, because mm-hmm. I played about maybe three or four hours of it, thought it was fine, and then it was like, when you get the superpowers and you get all these other things, so I was like, okay, so that's fundamentally changing the game. Okay, f- uh, fine, I'll run with it. And then I was like, oh, there's just no challenge here. I, mm-hmm. You can just walk into a room and just survive there's that i i've i died only through mistakes that i made mm. mm-hmm. and basically it never pushed me to get better i just stood in the middle of the room and go yep cool you're all dead now i think like what, that it, that's here? a weird thing in terms of like the element of challenge and what you said before about bragging rights because mm. like that was something that came from the arcades and came from like the old school or oh, the gamer mentality are oh, you a mm. gamer of your gamer mm-hmm. metal and all that kind of stuff and i think one of the reasons that souls has taken off so much is because it does it does fundamentally challenge people to put up with a lot mm-hmm. and like how much can you mm-hmm. put up with and surmount it kind of thing but also it taps back into that old school gamer mentality and like you know can you complete this thing it's like there are certain games that it's all you should play if you want to call yourself a gamer. Do you think that's why stuff like Destiny and to an extent Fallout 76 now, because it's aping that model, mm-hmm. do you think that's why those games are proven to have such a dedicated fan base? Because I, I played Destiny, I thought the gunplay mm-hmm. was brilliant. It's perfect, lack, yeah. of, lack of story was a bit ass, not mm-hmm. going to lie. But the whole grindy nature of those games and you're fighting the same, basically the same characters with the same attacks over and over again, except it's like the Space Invaders mechanic. You know, they, they just get more health and they get faster and yeah. they move along and yeah. like is that what is that a compelling well is that is that compelling it's, it, it, well, it's funny because you put it on paper if you say to somebody oh you're going to be fighting this enemy a reskinned version of it and a reskinned reskinned version of that that's got super super strength and stuff yeah. like that you go that to, to say that to a gamer and they're like why, why would i want to do mm-hmm. that yeah. i defeated it once what's the point of doing it again ah but you get something for it Okay, I'm interested now. <laughs> ah, and the thing that you get makes it easier for you to kill things up until another certain level, and then you've got to do it another three times. Like, okay, I'm kind of in this. I kind of think, but, but, but it's one of those things where like it's that mentality of buying it on the ground floor. Mm-hmm. Like if you put yeah. it, if you lay it out and just say this is what you can happen, no one's going to want to do but that. But I mean, you were saying, yeah, like, yeah, 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 you were saying exactly. when we came into this, like the difference between artificial difficulty and challenge, and I think that, like there's a there's a conflation of all that stuff mm. these days, especially in Ubisoft games, mm-hmm. where you look, you can see the level of the boss, you see what you are, mm-hmm. you know how much damage you're going to do ahead of time, yeah. and you know that by matching those levels, you'll like you'll beat it. But all that a lot of modern games do now is uh, is make visible the statistics that were in the background in the SDA. Like, you know, like old, old school RPGs and stuff. Like, yeah, when you're in battle, you'll see those, you'll see certain statistics, health pools and stuff. Yeah. But now it's like, there's no point you fighting X above thing until you've like done the loot grind beforehand and it's all really like passed out. A funny thing uh, somebody pointed out to me was uh, after playing Borderlands 2, you know, when you start out the game, you start shooting stuff and it's like 13, 20 damage. Yes. Like you see mm-hmm. that. And then by the end of the game, it's like 5,000 damage, yeah. 10,000 damage. You're still firing the same gun. You're still firing the same, yeah. same gun or you're still working on the same model. But the, uh, the fact that the number is bigger is tricking your brain. This is, this is thinking, what I was going to say. I am better yeah, at this yeah. game, and I'm doing and this. In like... many ways, Borderlands is the original Destiny. Mm, totally. and like I, I, I really like both those games, yeah, yeah, the first and, and the sequel. And I don't know if that's genuinely down to how kind of is it 2k or take two take two uh 2k 2k, 2K. Uh, how they marketed mm. like the idea of there being like all these unique weapons. Like, obviously, they're just reskin versions or yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. But like 
there was something visually in there, kind of almost like a loot box in yeah. Overwatch or something. There's mm. something visually that triggered like this, this instant like, oh, that's a cool shiny right. gun, and I'm gonna use this big shiny gun to shoot bigger, angrier people. And but that yeah. thing, like that, that is that's one of the reasons I, I don't vibe with Diablo three, and I'm in the yeah. minority. Mm. But that's the thing, I'm doing, I'm fundamentally doing the vast majority of the same attacks, mm. other than the numbers are bigger, and that's yeah. never enough for me. That's what I was gonna say with the conflation of the stuff with like, statistically. Yeah, is that bosses should have mechanics or certain loops or certain tactics like. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That's well, where that's where real challenge comes in versus artificial uh, inflation. Have you guys played the game No More Heroes? Yes. That yeah. has got... Oh, I heard of it. There's it, a little Travis, thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. In, in, in my opinion... Uh, it's got a really interesting sort of gameplay design loop that I'm just super, super interested in. And it's about the gratification of violence versus the uh, slog to get there. Because the concept is it's all built around boss battles. You're there to kill assassins and become the number one mm. ranked assassins for very dubious reasons. I might just because he wants to sleep with a woman who promised. Anyway, that sounds uh, very 2008. It's, it's very, it's, it's like taking the piss out of yeah. the whole sort of pastiche of action heroes and stuff like that. But. In order to get there, you need to earn money to buy into it. Right. And the way that you earn money isn't by going out and doing crazy cool stuff. It's by picking up coconuts and delivering them there. Uh, it's like going on a, on a paper round, pizza delivery, <laughs> stuff like that. It's boring, asinine stuff. Mowing lawns, for example. Mm. And the developer was there like, 
I did that on purpose because you want to get to the boss battle so badly. I wanted to see you'll how do much anything. you'll put up with to get there. So he <laughs> basically created these difficult, badly controlled mini games God. in order to basically just go, how much do you want to actually kill this person mm. next? Is it enough to do this for three hours to get there? <laughs> well, let's find out. And I guess in a way that the core of that mentality is what's in Souls and Bloodborne. Yeah. It's like, how much will you put up with? How much will you grind through yeah. to do to get through the final thing to be able to say that you've done it? Yeah. I guess but, like difficulty yeah. isn't a barrier to entry for some people. People anymore, like mm. it used to be. Souls proved that it doesn't have to be. Yeah, because yeah. that's mainstream, uh, like popularity. It's uh, phenomenal how well that the, mm -hmm. that series is done. And like God of War's got some pretty. Well, it's not like I wouldn't say it's overall a hard game. Not like in the same it's way not, that Souls no. is. It's the same with like Super Meat Boy as well. Either. That was yeah. incredibly difficult, but again, took off. Games that are incredibly difficult go into like, a, a niche pocket mm. that then mm. usually explodes within the video game community because people like to have a challenge. It seems well, like. they like to be pushed. I'm gonna throw some stats at you, please, do. because um, there is some neuroscience backing to all these mm. things. Um, so basically, there was a uh, there was a uh, survey done at the Simon Fraser University survey. 3,300 players of StarCraft II um, to basically see sort of uh, what the general, the way that your cognitive, cognitive motor skills change over mm. the years. Um, this goes back to what I did for my dissertation, which is I've nice. never written too much on, but basically as you get older, your cognitive skills are going to decline a little mm -hmm. bit. Um, and they wanted to sort of drill that down and talk about how that affects how well you can play games. So they, they surveyed 3,300 people between the ages of 16 and 44, mm -hmm. and they found that your sort of, your changing point is around about age 24. Right. And so once you get past <laughs> Two 24, years left, baby. In, in a minuscule <laughs> fashion though, that's like in the most minuscule way you'll you'll stop being able to respond to things as fast yeah. um but you're obviously not that conscious of it basically to you two i'm a superhero for now for now yes but they also found that um, the way that older players play games starts to change mm. uh, and they say that older players though slower seem to compensate by employing simpler strategies and using the game's interface more efficiently than younger players enabling them to retain their skill despite cognitive motor speed loss so basically as you get older you get wiser or you find different ways to play that lets you keep up it's like ewan's uh if he's a monkey he's using a f uh, uh, like a round stone to smash open a mm. coconut or, or other shell, you found AK forty-seven. Yeah, which they're, which there with like a, a natural nutcracker. <laughs> so yeah, so the writer said like older players were found to uh, to be compensating by using shortcuts such as advanced command key combinations to overcome the problem of declining speed and making decisions in real time. Mm. And so all of this is kind of linked though, because the idea of difficulty being something like you know that isn't necessarily um, desirable in the industry, like like you know there's there's a wider statistics that uh, only ninety percent of people actually finish mm. their games. And so like the reasons for that. Are going to vary from story mm -hmm. to personal allocation of time and whatever. But difficulty is assumedly a massive factor of that. And so why would any game devs want to dedicate that much time to making something that is abrasive as hell? Mm -hmm. Hence why there's only one Souls or yeah. Bloodborne. There's only mm -hmm. one developer really doing that. Well, I mean, apart from Neo. And I, well, Ashen, yeah. Well, that, and, yeah, that, well, that's... Uh, um, I mean, you can read off a million I mean, souls. Yeah, codes. Yeah, yeah, My so. point is, they're all the same formula. Got like, it, yeah. yes, difficulty still exists, but yeah. there's only one type. Everyone calls them souls clones or soulsborn clones I'm or whatever. I was, I'm really racking my brain to think of other really difficult games that have come out this year. You could argue that Celeste is pretty challenging. Yes, but, well, yeah, but that's kind of the, that's where I'm going to go with this because, like, you look at the big mainstream AAA stuff, mm -hmm. the ones that have the massive budgets, they need the return. Red yeah. Dead 2 doesn't have any notable difficult moments in it. Like, uh, neither does no, God of War. No, it's, it's, it's in. Red Dead's very easy. I'm not, I'm not going to criticise it, but there are moments where it's quite hand-holdy. It's like yeah, yeah. shooting the bad guys. But the I think that's part of it serves the cinematic kind of... No, yeah, yeah. it's completely so. fine. Like, yeah. There's nothing, yeah, and it, it works because it's the... Not Rockstar can arguably survive like, without it selling yes. massively, but like, you know, it's it's going to reach a massive audience and they've kind of made it... Mm. They've made it for a massive mm. audience. Mm. Uh, God of War, even though it has like a skill level to it, isn't abrasive at any point. It's not ridiculous or anything. Apparently, and same with Spider-Man. Apparently some people were saying that the reason that the Hitman 2 sales have been down dramatically uh, mm. compared to the episodic version of Hitman 1 is because people were the marketing was targeting around 
around, you can do this any way you want to. And mm. people were put off by it because they felt like they weren't being treated as... Uh, smart. They weren't. They weren't sure how to do it mm-hmm. because oh. the, ga- the game almost like put uh, a, an emphasis on if you don't act like a proper hitman, you'll fail. Mm-hmm. And apparently, that's been not vibing very well oh, with, really? the, um, with audiences. That's a shame because which, it's, it's a great that, game. That's, that's mm-hmm. the, hitman is the perfect example of something I'd argue has the right difficulty and empowerment. Yeah, and again, in, it's coming back. Yeah. But, but, but it's like because of the fact that there's so many options yeah. to do, people were almost put off by. But like, ooh, I'm not entirely sure. If I mean, we did a we did a separate separate podcast on like uh, on the return of story games this year mm-hmm. and single player experiences, and I wonder if that's a trend because people want more authored experiences this year in particular. Mm. So when it's like, here's this massive sandbox, it's like, well, well I don't actually know how to approach that it, anymore. It, it might be because the fact that Hitman 1 was divvied up into episodes that it felt like a smaller experience so therefore players were like okay cool I can invest time into mm, this because yeah. it's like a throwaway not a throwaway so but a digestible thing. all these things kind of relate to one another because mm. like you've got that whole thing before about like you know your, your cognitive skill is going to drop off a bit mm. plus 24 uh, so I also looked up the uh, the average age of a gamer is, is 34 according to the um, Entertainment Standards Association okay. um, so you've kind of got that idea of uh, and also the people who have the most disposable income are between 30 and 49 yep. on average yep. um, so you've got that idea of the, the people that the industry are making games for are the people who can't handle harder games because they're older than 24. Mm. And so, like, that's all just, you know, correlating stuff together. It makes sense for them to make easy games. I have a question, sir. Go uh, on. For these older gamers, yes. between the ages of 30 and, what, 30? 30 and 49 for 49. disposable income. Mm. Um, when it's talking about, like... The, your, your, your theory that they're making games difficult for people who aren't going to necessarily invest time in it. Is yes. this to do with people who are actually playing games or is it to do with people buying games for their children? That's a hard, that's, that's a hard yeah, nuanced thing because yeah, in terms yeah. of who identifies as a gamer, like the, 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 the survey that they did, it was even if you played like Clash of Clans on a phone right, once okay. every couple of weeks, yeah, you would still be classified counts, yeah. as, as someone who could take part in the survey. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's always going to be variables to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that idea, I mean, the cognitive motor science stuff, uh, neural science stuff um, is human. So mm-hmm. like, you know, you're going to get potentially worse at games as you get older. So yeah. there is like a potential need to make something that's but accessible for everybody. It's interesting as well because the, mm-hmm. the, the thing you touched on earlier on about people finding like shortcuts and like rearranging uh, control play. schemes and stuff, that's mm-hmm. been an element of like competitive uh, multiplayer play games for a long time now like halo had a bumper jumper yeah which is like the yeah. whole thing where you you didn't have to move your fingers that far off your so you had the, the handset and you could like um basically jump with the bumper which allowed yeah. you to, to basically melee mm-hmm. um so yeah that's really interesting that that's kind of come from that because yeah, yeah. i i never when i was younger i was playing halo i didn't feel the need to do that because i thought i could cope quite mm-hmm. yeah well but when you actually start like, yeah. going into the meta thing of like the point three of a second that yeah save you to do that that's the difference between yeah life and, and it's games. like if you look at like you know the, the vast majority of esports teams they're quite young like they're all kind of like um, early 20s i mean the, the biggest finger to point is just look at any pc game in general if it doesn't have rebindable keys it, mm. it gets shot to hell mm. right like but that, that's that re- would re- rebindable keys is, is is literally like the basic of let's find out what my play style and adapt mm-hmm. to it mm-hmm. so but it's like that's the thing it's like uh, assumedly as you get older the way to combat maybe that you might not respond to something on screen as fast mm-hmm. is to change something like a control scheme or the way that you control the game mm-hmm. so that you can get more in the zone and figure it out that way but it was just kind of interesting that like you know I remember there was a uh, old video game critic called Adam Sessler who used to work for G4 and a few different websites right. and he was saying that he was terrified by the idea that at some point as he gets older he's not going to be able to do has his job as well because he fundamentally can't be as good a critic anymore mm. because he might not be, he might never get through it what if he fundamentally can't get through it well, we, we've like had that. a discussion before about just because you're not good at a game mm. does that mean it's a bad game subjectively you might not enjoy your time with the game and therefore only look to see the negatives of mm. said game yeah. 
if you're very good at a game, you are more intrinsically uh, inclined to talk about the positives of it. Yeah. So, example, if I, for example, I don't play Fortnite, but if I was ridiculously good at it, I probably would be saying, like, I'm pretty good at Fortnite, I really enjoy playing it. Yeah. Mm. There's very few games that I am good at that I don't enjoy. I think that yes. that's like a separate strand because I love those conversations. But, you, but you I think I mean? like, that, that's, yeah, that's what passes I mean, out. Saints, a good, Rose, so you, I, Saints Rose is a good example of that because you, you're good at it. Oh yeah, technically I was like, good yeah. at it. Yeah, and I just but all the, yeah. like, yeah. that's what passes out a good critic from a bad one because even if you're mm. good at something, you should be able to analyze the systems inherent in that game and say, okay, are they built towards skill? To, it's just very hard to not take your personal bias with you. I mean, there are a few games that you've said uh, jokingly, you and I have talked about Smash. Yes. I've lost a few rounds of Smash. It's terrible. Like, terrible game. No, it's wins, broken, wins, but I did wins, then wins, win, and wins, it was good again. And it was like uh, when we played yeah. Grip at EGX. It was like, it's like, oh, this game's really, really good, because Scott was winning. <laughs> lost two rounds back to back. Oh, the, the mechanics of the yeah, game. Yeah, there are very specific context, though. Like, that's not a, that's not that, a review. Because, so I, like, I'm funny. genuinely crap at, like, fighting games, but I love the Injustice series. I remember when Injustice 2 came out, and we were talking about this. They had, like, certain daily challenges that you had to do in the space for a week or whatever, and the difficulty curve was... Mad, and that is a good point to to make. Um, should games telegraph difficulty curves more? And if they don't, is that a, a, well, a legitimate that, objective fault that's of the game part itself? Of what Sessler was getting at, because yeah. he was like, "Yeah, how do I know what I'm getting into?" And like, say, like, say you as a, as a game student or someone you're trying to play a game to keep up with your friends or whatever it is, mm. and you're you literally on, on a human cognitive biological level are finding it hard to play that game. Mm. Like, yeah, how much should a game tell you that thing? Well, like. Probably totally we, should. If we go back to just using boss bosses as uh, examples of challenge and difficulty spikes, mm -hmm. as I guess we'd say, The Legend of Zelda, um, what's the, oh God, what's the one on the SNES that everyone's played? Link to the Past. Link to the Past, that's yes. the one, yeah. Is one of the best examples of why, of, of how to use challenge and level design to inform the player to make sure that they're ready for that difficulty curve. Yes. Every boss that you face in every single temple will use the gimmick that you need to use to beat the mm -hmm, boss with. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. you'll like go, oh, look, there's a lava thing here. Okay, I've got like a nice power. That'll freeze that over. Get to the boss. Oh, look, I know exactly what to do That's... now because I've used this. That's informative level design that makes sure that the difficulty that would be present is eased off mm -hmm. and it means that you enjoy it more when you Exactly, it. that's mm -hmm. what's present in Arkham as well because Arkham is very Zelda-esque in that way because totally. you get given a new gadget to mm -hmm, deal with a new villain. Mm -hmm. Whereas in Enjoy, Justice, I feel as though they give you, and again, that's totally fine to predicate to that community because they, they're the people who ultimately support the game the most. Mm -hmm. um, but it seems as though the people who are new to that series, um, you basically were just left to, to your own devices in yeah. a way. And like you could learn a few characters, but then you just had to accept that at certain points you would encounter a higher level version of this character yeah. and they'd have better gear and better stats which would make you crap at the game basically. <laughs> and these things would happen out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Whereas I feel... That, that example you've just given there is the perfect um, example of empowering the player but making it challenging. You have to earn that sense of yeah. empowerment because yeah. if you don't learn, you're going to fail. And throughout Dark Souls and Bloodborne, I did not feel like I was learning anything. You're and just I, getting squished. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas with those games, there is a... It doesn't necessarily lay, lay it all out for you on a trail of breadcrumbs. You do have to figure things out for yourself. Mm -hmm. But with Dark Souls, it felt as though there was only one thing to learn, and that was the combat. And you walk through a level killing things, and to me, that in itself is not compelling as a video game. Mm. That's, that's yeah. fine. I mean, I, I'm on the other side. Yeah, I'm on completely yeah. on the other side. Right? I, I fully am on the thing of, like, Dark Souls 1 possibly has the best opening tutorial level yeah, you go through. But that's just, that's just my mm -hmm. opinion there. <laughs> Those things, though, I mean, we, just to bring it back to what you said before, what we kind of, like, uh, discussed, 
first in terms of how much should games flag what you're in for. Mm-hmm. Like um, that's something that you know to bring it back around to the the financial side of it and how much like bigger companies need to make their games accessible and playable and stuff. You've kind of seen only really the indie scene reinforce the difficulty side of it. Like you brought up Celeste, mm-hmm. that's the only game that's in sort of the top five or top ten or whatever of the year that sort of you know is a more is a smaller budgeted game yeah. with a notable difficulty curve. Yeah. I would kind of argue that the only series that has difficulty associated with it is Souls or is from Software's games because the only game of 2019 that I saw as a quick cursory glance um, that's going to be hard is Sekiro which mm. is another game from 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 from, 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 from. and so like you know you kind of put that up against The Last of Us 2 and Anthem's going to be accessible as hell yeah. because everybody's going to be playing that thing and so like you can kind of say the difficulty is it's obviously a calculated risk but hardly anybody's doing it yeah I mean that's why difficulty modes are yeah. such a a thing that's missed in some scenarios. I always love it when they like, don't have a difficulty yeah, mode because I'm like, it's more specific. It's like, okay, so you're prescribing this and if, if this is what you believe as a developer is the perfect example, mm. but... I mean, you do get some difficult modes that just like they're just they've just got more health. It, well, yeah, yeah, and that's that's back to the artificial thing boring. versus challenge. Because yeah. I love that Souls has a defined difficulty level or yeah. type or whatever, and you have to get through it that way, or you don't get through it at all, mm. and that makes it kind of infuriating as hell. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, it's just a case of I just didn't want to. I couldn't be bothered investing my time in it. I just felt yeah. as though the game was just expected me to hop on board the program. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, you got you got to pitch this to me. I'm not like <laughs> just hopping on board and wanting to get my ass kicked. Souls does just step on you and then yeah. go, do you like that, do you? Do you, want, do you want more of that? Kinky. It is very kinky. But you guys, let us know what you think down in the comments below or find us on social media. I've been your host, Scott Taylor, joined by Ewan Patterson. Yes, I have been Ewan. You can follow me on Twitter at Ewan Ruins Things. Very true. Also joined by Jules Gill. You can follow me at RetroJ with a zero over on Twitter. And I am at slash LP89. We'll catch you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.